I, at that time, changed my personal vision, my personal why, the one I still use to this day, is to connect people to greater performance and even more significant purpose. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. All right, gang, we're really excited to have Corey Carlson with us here today. Um, Corey is the author of Win at Home First, which we're going to hear all about. Um, And he's gotten some cool buzz and some cool pickup on Forbes and some other outlets with his content. He's a leadership coach. He's a speaker. He's a terrific husband, terrific dad. Um, And he's a fellow Oak Park Northman, which back in the day where Brooke and I went to high school. So we'll we'll hear all about that. He's close to my sister's age, which is fun. So we know you're going to really value Corey's insights and his perspective and his wisdom. Um, And we're really honored to have him on the show. So Corey, welcome to the show, man. Uh, Justin, thank you very much for for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to to share some of my story uh, with your audience. So thank you. Yeah, of course, dude. So uh, before we jump into kind of the book and the speaking and, and, and some of the really cool stuff that's taking place in your world, uh, just give everybody a quick background of who you are, where'd you grow up? I mean, I've already mentioned you're a, a fellow Okie, um, but what, you know, give us a quick background of who you are and, and then ultimately kind of what you're up to and, and what life looks like for you today. Yeah, sure. I grew up in Kansas City, which is obviously fun to say right now is, um, you know, Super Bowl and all the excitement around the Chiefs, but grew up in Kansas City and then went to University of Missouri. And at University of Missouri is where I met my wife, got a civil engineering degree, and then we started our family, our marriage in Kansas City, worked there for a handful of years, and then got transferred to Denver and then transferred to Cincinnati, which is where I live now. And currently married, been married for 20 years, and then have three kids, a 15-year-old girl, an 11-year-old girl, and a 7-year-old boy. And now now we've been in Cincinnati for about eight years, I believe. So, nice. you know, my career, yeah, so my, yeah, my career is one that started out civil engineering, did civil engineering for a little while, and loved the firm I was with but didn't necessarily love civil engineering and then got involved uh, in sales where I could sell civil engineering type products, joined a a company and then had a territory in sales in Kansas city, you know, grew it. Then had the opportunity to kind of get promoted, move up the corporate ladder. So took me to Denver and then got promoted to Cincinnati and about probably about seven years ago when I was in Cincinnati, I was a VP of a, about a hundred million dollar division traveling about every week Had people older than me that reported to me. I was managing my old boss. So wow. there's moments I was way in over my head and went to my boss to say, I, I needed help. He's like, get an executive coach. 
So I hired an executive coach and just fell in love with the process of having someone speak into my life, having that mentor, having some accountability, getting some tools and concepts along the way, and then turning around and sharing it with my direct report. And when I, the whole coaching process gave me some different frameworks to the way I was viewing life, viewing myself. And it made me a better father, made me a better husband, made me a better leader. And then when I started to see it was actually impacting others as well and seeing them start to date their spouses and them starting to you know, be intentional with it, with their kids and the business was growing. I was like, I want to do this for a living. I want to figure out how I can help others, uh, you know, have success both at work and home. And so it was about three and a half years ago. I, I decided to leave my corporate job and get into coaching. And so that is what I do to this day. Man, that's awesome. Um, gosh, it, it makes me, there's so many questions I want to, I want to dive into. Cause I think you, you, um, briefly talked about a lot, right? Like there's a lot there and, and I'd love right. to, you know, maybe hear your perspective on what, what did that look like in terms of your first, uh, as the client, not the coach? Um, what were some of those, you know, maybe warning signs or frustrations or places where you're like, Hey, I, I need this in my life. And, um, and, and then maybe, you know, again, as the client, like what were some of those big ahas that you were then able to, to then share with your team? Mm-hmm. I think a, a few different ones. I, you know, as a client, I mean, I was, I was reading books. I was listening to, obviously the podcasts weren't as, you know, big, you know, seven, eight years ago. I mean, they're starting, so, but listening to podcasts and the books, and, you know, basically getting all these inputs, but I didn't necessarily know how to customize it and make it for my day-to-day mm. and the situations that I was experiencing. And so a coach actually was able to come alongside and, and take some of that as well as their own and, and bring it in and basically almost give me a customizable plan. But a key component was hold me accountable. Huh. And if I said I was going to do this or I was going to have this conversation with my direct reports, they would bring it up on the next call. Or if I said I was going to, you know, go on a date with my you know, wife or there was these different things that would be held accountable. So that was a big piece was one to actually have all these different sources. We all have access to from books, podcasts, conferences, whatever it may be to actually remove some of the noise of all of it and start to say, all right, what do I actually need at this moment? And so that was of incredible value in the accountability standpoint was a big piece. But the reason I needed a coach was my method was not working. Mm. I was, I was stressed. I was finding myself maybe irritable at home not, you know, very engaged to be with. And so I basically, yeah, reached out to, to find a, uh, someone that could help me navigate through this because I couldn't do it on my own. And, you know, there's a, a phrase that, you know, lone wolf get taken out. And that was kind of how I was where I was in this season. I was busy work and, but I kind of felt alone. Like I wasn't getting it done. And at the ter- current time, I was a VP for a division. This division 
was not the highest revenue contributor to our company, but they were the highest profit contributor to the company. So a lot of visibility, mm. which is great, except when it's not going well. Right. And when I took over this, these product lines inside the division, they weren't doing well. They were off plan. So our company, I had to have meetings with the executive team about every other week to say, what was I doing to mitigate the gap? What was I doing to help grow the business? Well, some of that I, I was taking personally as if, if I can't turn this around, I must not be a good businessman. Sure. I must not be a good man. And, and so I started to allow the head trash to really attack everywhere I was. And so me just trying to work harder, me trying to, basically bang the drum on all the people that were reporting to me in the division throughout the country wasn't working. And so when I ended up getting the coach, it started to actually help me think about, you know, people over profit and what is the purpose of this division and how can I invest in the people? And when I started to actually change the why of how I was leading my team, I saw a significant difference, not only in my own life, but in theirs. And that began kind of the, the changing of my heart of, hey, I want, I want to go do this and help others. It's huge, man. And, and, and gosh, again, there's so much even in that, that piece that you just unpacked for, from, you know, this um, isolated lone wolf, you know, cowboy that I, I've got to muscle up and get it done and, and, and make the man proud, whoever that is, right, man or woman. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way to like, there's so much transformation that just took place in what you said, like from lone wolf to transformative, empowered, empathetic leader. Like, um, uh, what's that, what did that do to your team? I mean, obviously maybe profits increase or, or whatnot, but like, what did that do to the function and the, the culture of the team you're leading? Yeah, when I first got into some of these bigger leadership roles, it was almost like I'd gotten there on a lot of just competency. I was uh, very good at the sales and very good at getting things done. I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners are a fan of the Enneagram. It's a tool that I use quite often with my clients. And with no matter really the size of the client, it's been a significant, helpful workshop to lead companies through. Well, on the Enneagram, I'm a three. So for those that are listening to a three, a three is an achiever. If I'm not careful, it's about results over people. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I don't even like admitting that, but there's a truth to it. And so that's when I'm on, when I was in health, unhealthy and not doing well, that's what I would do is I would basically steamroll people to try to get the results I wanted. And obviously not a fan of even, you know, having to talk about it, but that is what would happen. So sure. When I started to change, it's like, hey, how can I actually invest in people? And I, at that time, changed my basic personal vision, my personal why. The one I still use to this day is to connect people to greater performance and even more significant purpose. So as I was traveling with the sales reps, as I was spending time with people, I was actually asking them questions about them, their family, their lives. And, you know, tell me about your kids or what do you want to do or how can I grow, right? And I'd also invest in their growth. Hey, I'm, you know, reading this book. This book is helpful. I learned this tool from my coach. I want to share this tool with you. 
And I just started investing in them and helping them grow, not only just in the competency going for results, but also going for the character and spending one-on-one time with individuals to help them, them grow, whether that was getting involved with their church, whether that was, you know, trying to go after a couple of personal goals that they had. And just that as a whole started to significantly change the culture of the team that I led, as well as even to this day, we'll, we'll get some fun emails from individuals during that time that were, you know, grateful for the conversation that we had. And so that, that became significantly different for how I went to work and overall my purpose. It's huge, dude. Um, gosh, yeah, the, the, the Enneagram, it, that, it's fun. You brought that up because we, Brooke and I got into a, a really deep conversation with another couple over dinner this past Saturday. And, and, and the, the wife is kind of going through that process and that journey of trying to discover what her number is. And it's this kind of interesting dance. And she's like, well, what do you think I am? And so she's asking me and Brooke for our feedback. And it's like, dude, this is your journey to uncover and to discover. Right. Um, and of course there are tons of type, there are tons of testing profiles and different things you can, you can take. Um, but, but back to your point that there are a few number three, you know, threes in, in my life, particularly one couple really, really good friends who they, um, for those that don't know maybe much about Enneagram or, or about a three in particular, um, man, they're, they're the, they're the one who can walk into a room and magnetize to whatever it took to, um, they, they just are so intuitive about interpersonal dynamics, about people, about, I mean, I've, not a surprise, really healthy, uh, or really, really your story of success in sales and being a fast climber. Um, but, it, but it seems like the ones that become healthy, uh, or healthier, we're all on this journey together, uh, towards health, but this healthy version of a three or becoming healthy version of a three, um, they almost have to stop and, and, and see that, that, um, and I don't want to put the words in your mouth, but, uh, I've heard it from others, but almost this veneer or this mask or this dance, you know, some have even said of, hey, I got to drop that act and become a little bit more genuine and I'm connected to my emotions. And so anyway, I, I not, not putting words in your mouth, but it resonated with me on, on some, some really good friends that are threes that I know that they had to go through that process, which isn't always fun or, or pleasant to look at, but really um, transformative and, and leads them into this path of, of a, of a deeper transcendent purpose, which is dude, clearly where you are. I, I'd just be curious, like, what, did, did that, did that happen for you? Yeah. The three is definitely one, unfortunately one of the most image conscience uh, on the Enneagram for sure. And, you know, I hate to admit it, but the, I, I fall in that category a lot of different times throughout my life. And not that I'm perfect at all, but I've gotten so much better um, over the years. And that's just it, of releasing the the, the image conscience. Now, if I'm not careful, I, I still to this day, as I'm trying to grow a, a coaching business and practice and, and 
seeing different success, I can find myself just comparing myself to somebody else right mm, away. Of course. Uh, you know, how many social media likes do I get on a post or, and then I look and right when I'm excited about what's happening on my post, I find someone else. Well, they've got thousands of more. And it's like, <laughs> Oh man, yeah. this is awful. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to make it. And it just goes on and on. So a lot of that image conscience, a lot of that comparison mm. in the book, winter home first, I talk, as a teacher, I learned, you know, uh, years ago that I, I still go back to this day, and it's kind of all wrapped up in the same. And the idea that, you know, the devil came after Jesus three different ways in the garden when he was, uh, or not in the garden, in the wilderness, when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. And those are the same simple three ways that the devil comes back to each of us, which is through appetite, approval, or ambition. The idea that we have a primary and a secondary to each. And for me, my primary is approval. Like, if I I want the approval of others, am you know, mm. am I being the best coach? Am I being the best father? Am I being the best friend? Am I being the best husband? Like, it's that approval. I want others to to like me at whatever I'm trying to do. And it kind of falls in that same Enneagram three number, all that same. And so for me, that's been significant to think through. Hey, am I going to other people for their approval? Or instead, can I work from a place of approval as opposed to for others' approval? And so that's been a significant growth for me to help keep me aligned to the healthy side of the three, the healthy side of comparison, the healthy side of that idea of approval. So those are, unfortunately, I've had to learn a lot because of brokenness, but that's kind of the things I do now to help basically recalibrate. So I don't go too far down a bad path, dude. Which which signals self awareness and and connectedness and and um, depth. So that's awesome. Um, I'm curious, man. More on on uh, as it relates to Enneagram in your business context. Um, you don't hear about this as much in terms of how Enneagram helps teams or culture. I'd just be curious if if anything kind of pops to your mind in terms of. Uh, how that's impacted some of your client work at, n- now as the coach, but some of your own clients and some of your own, the companies. And because I think a lot of our, our, our listeners are marketing leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, fairly ambitious, hungry, grow, growth minded type folks. Um, I'd just be curious to know how that plays out in a context of your training broader teams. I'd, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Well, if you're a business leader listening to this podcast, you know, the best ROI for culture improvement is to do self-assessment and for you yourself, your team, but also for each other and to talk about it. You know, I, I have done this Enneagram. Uh, I did a small nonprofit on Friday, nonprofit here in Cincinnati. We, I mean, it was small and we had five people in the room, but then I've done the same workshop to Duracell, which we all know Duracell batteries went up to Connecticut at their headquarters. And we did uh, Enneagram for Duracell for their North American leadership team. So no matter the size of your organization, if you're a very small nonprofit or you're large national brand that, you know, we all know there's value. No matter the size of the business, the hardest part about business is people. It's the people involved. People come to work in bad moods. They something bad happens. Um, 
the, over the weekend or they themselves aren't healthy or they aren't working out or um, just there's times of stress. So you have all this, the different dynamics of people involved. Mm. All of us are wired differently. We have different motivators. We have different things that we, our own head trash, our own insecurities. So you've got all this coming together. And the best way to improve the culture is to get it out there on the table. And, you know, there's, there's Myers-Briggs, there's this. We are having so much fun and success with Enneagram for a variety of reasons. I'm disc certified. So I can go do disc, but I would much rather go to the Enneagram. You know, disc is basically only four things, right? The D, I, S, or C. Myers-Briggs is 32 different options. And so you've got some, you can't even remember them, what they are. Um, you know, a lot of people don't remember what they are in their own letters. And then Enneagram is just nine. You've got nine and you've got a healthy version and an unhealthy version. So they're quite simple in that regard. It's also your very similar Enneagram at home and at work. Where Myers-Briggs and this can be a little different depending on your surrounding environments. But Enneagram is pretty consistent. So the reason I've enjoyed it so much is not only to work on your team dynamics, but also great to talk about for your marriage. And so when we've done this workshop with different companies, it is to go through the nine different, talk about the do's and don'ts. If you've got these numbers, you know, on your team, these are the things to do with them. These are the things not to do with them. And it is just fun to get that dialogue going amongst the team of, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I don't like that. I don't like meetings. I wish meetings were shorter or yes, you, you do procrastinate, you know? And so you just start to get these things of ways to improve individually as well as, as a team, you know, emotional intelligence is so key to being a better leader, uh, whether it's at home or work. And if you are not growing in emotional intelligence, you know, I, I think that that'll be a myth to, you know, any listeners that are, are exploring that right now, their own self-awareness as well as the emotional intelligence of their team. So good, man. And I'm thinking about our own group as we've, you know, we're, we're, not, we're by no means Duracell. We're, we're much more like your nonprofit client in terms of size. But um, it, yeah. it's, it's been really fun and, and I think for the most part helpful um, we have done, we haven't done formal workshops on Enneagram, but, but we, but I do know the numbers of each of our team members. Um, and it's really been helpful for me for, as a leader to, to know, okay, like these two folks are threes and that means like they're going to bloody their knuckle and run through the wall to, again, to look or appear or find the get my approval they're going to work their freaking tails off at the expense of everything else in their life and so i have to be mindful of like hey i know you yep. volunteered to do this project like you actually i love you enough to tell you no <laughs> like take the weekend off for once and like go be with your family or whatever the case or um we've got an account manager who's a seven and it's like hey i'm a seven so i know that it's fun and there's cool new things and, and new inspiring ideas, but like, Hey, what if we just sat down and, and did something really practical and knocked out a spreadsheet? I know those suck. Right. <laughs> or to the eight right. or to the eight on our team, like, Hey, she's, she just knows it's man. She, she just knows exactly 
what's up and exactly the way to go and the way to lead. And so giving her that room to go do it. Right. And so, um, it's been a really helpful, uh, again, to your point, not perfect. We're all certainly in progress, but, um, it's, it's just been a really, really helpful exercise. And, and, and I think it's given, um, again, not, not as deep as maybe we'd love to go at some point with it, but it's given some common language around, Oh yeah. Like, they're motivated this way or they're wired this way or this isn't intentional or I don't have to take this thing personal. Um, and, and certainly, certainly from the business perspective and, um, man, I, I'd love to hear maybe as we kind of transition into the, the winning at home piece, um, tell us about, obviously tell us about the book, but, but maybe more than that, tell us the, to use your language, tell us the why behind the book. How'd you get to the point where you're like, oh man, there's something in here that I've got to get out of my brain and my heart into the written word. Like I, I, I'm just fascinated to hear the genesis of your book story. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So when I got into, I, I never had thought of writing a book. I mean, civil engineer by degree. I, I think the head trash I was telling myself is I'm not a writer. I'm an engineer and numbers and you know, that, that type of thing. So it was never on my radar to write a book. And when I was coaching clients, I would, you know, going back to three and a half, four years ago, this for the, these last two years, as I was coaching clients, I would get hired to help them with vision and values mm. for their organization. I would get, you know, emotional intelligence and the Enneagram. And some of the items we've been talking about before, how to help them with time management. That's why I would get hired. Well, in coaching, we'll have group settings. I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with business owners and executives. And when you get on that one-on-one call or Zoom video conference calls, a lot of what we do, then what's interesting is what they were most concerned about wasn't some of those items they hired me for. It was actually... Hey, what's really keeping you up at night? What's re- what's really your greatest challenge right now in your life? A lot of times it was, how can I be more intentional with my spouse? How can I make time to be with my teenage daughter? How do I drink less? How do I lose 10 pounds? Like it was this personal item that actually was the heaviest on this executive's mind. So I kept finding myself coming up with this phrase that I'd never really heard or thought of was, Hey, you need to win at home first in order to have capacity to lead well at work. So we need to win at home first. We've got to figure out how to get your priorities in order at home so that you can be empathetic when you're in the office. Because we've all left that house at 6.30 or 7 a.m. from a, you know, a, a fight or an argument with our spouse, and we get to work and we're not in our A game. Mm. We're distracted. We're in a meeting that you know, everyone's talking and all we're thinking about is, oh man, I should have said this or I shouldn't have said that or I probably should have said sorry and swallowed my pride. And we start doing this. Or on the end of the day, when we start to think, oh man, I got to go home and then we're going to talk about this conversation. And we just, our day, can, if it's not healthy at home, can be booked in, have bookends to it that aren't healthy. Mm. And it doesn't allow us to not only perform at our best at work. I was talking to a buddy about this, uh, you know, a, a while ago. Even the wins 
when you have work, if home's not going well, it doesn't even feel as good. Because there's no one to go home and kind of high-five with and share the good news with. You're like, even if you close a big account, you're like, well, I'm not going to go tell my spouse because they're really not going to be that happy for me because they're going to say I'm never even home anyway. That's probably why I closed the account. Just all this. And so if home's not going well, the, the valleys of work are, are more painful and the peaks aren't even that enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's just it's just quite interesting. So as I started doing this with individuals and then sharing the same tools that Mike, that Brandon is was my coach's name, as he used with me, as I started to help clients basically recalibrate, turn, turn their personal lives around, turn their homes around and their companies, uh, I started to have the clients say, you should write a book. You should put this in a book. And it all kind of, as God worked, it all kind of was coming at the same time. I was even, you know, he was, I was getting nudges from him in my quiet time, but I wasn't listening to him. So I think he had to pull in reinforcements of clients and friends to start saying some things to me. And so I, I decided to listen and start to start to do it and start to think, what would that look like? And started to, you know, write and just throw things kind of in, in some blogs and a Google doc. And then I, I believe in coaching. So I was like, I'm not going to go down this path on my own. So I hired a writing coach and that was a significant help. So if anyone needs a good writing coach, a guy named Chad Allen, uh, helped me take kind of my, my mess in my Google doc and actually make it into a, a book that, um, you know, done well and then, and, and impacting people, which I'm very grateful for. I love it, man. And so, so I'm going to dig in a little bit more on that. Cause I think that's fascinating. What, what, what did that process look like in terms of um, timing, in terms of from from brainstorm and nudging to release party? Like, is that a couple months, couple years? Like, walk us through what that what that because I think everybody um, maybe this is an over exaggeration, but I think everybody has a book in them, and there's probably lots of people, me included, that are like, "Cool, how do you take this from concept or nudge or?" someone says you have a good idea to, Hey, I'm, I've got a live link on amazon.com. Like what'd that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many, obviously people that, you know, do this for a living as far as coaching people, how to write books and their thoughts, their strategies. For me, what worked for me was I just, I started to write and I just started to think through, all right, what can this look like? And, my blogs or my writing was kind of all over the place as far as, you know, I had some work blogs, I had some parenting blogs, I had some marriage, I did it kind of all over the place. And then, so as I got a writing coach, he, outside perspective, could kind of give this visual of, okay, I, this is kind of, I think, what the book could look like. So it came into four parts. You, which is about, you yourself, you understand your identity. How are you prioritizing your own life? And then, so the second part is on marriage. Third part is on parenting. And then the fourth part is on work. So those are the four different parts. So he helped give me that, that kind of landscape of the book. And that was from probably when I hired Chad to, I think maybe about a year, nine months or maybe nine months. And then had the book launch party um, actually this past summer. 
So the whole journey probably was about 18 months of writing and then getting other people involved. I hired a self-publishing consultant to help and the illustrator, all these different pieces to help and to get it, to get it going. But I think one of the, the more significant pieces of it, not only for me was it hiring a writing coach, but to set time aside to write. I remember, you know, someone had the thought of, oh, do you just, you know, write when you're, you're inspired? And it's like, absolutely not. I mean, if I'm inspired at my daughter's gymnastic meet, I'm not going to get up and go leave and start writing. <laughs> you know, so what I did is I, there were certain days a week I wrote from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. I would get up, not look at my phone, not go to the gym. I would basically do my quiet time and then dive right into writing. And what was unbelievable is the inspiration would start to happen then because I was so obviously becoming consistent. That would be the writing time that I did. And obviously turn off the Wi-Fi and electronics was significant because I wasn't distracted. That whole idea of being focused and doing your deep work, that is when I could really get things done and not just writing when I was inspired or, you know, the whole family went to bed and I decided, Hey, I need to crank out 500 words or 750 words. I, was, I had to be more um, intentional about my writing time. That's huge. I, I, I'm, I'm reading a book right now and, and uh, I'll butcher the exact quote, but he was profiling a, a very prolific writer in terms of quantity of books written. And, and this guy mm-hmm. is only in his fifties. Like he's not, he's not that old by any means, but he's pushed out like, 15, 20, you know, pretty significant books. And he, he was asked a similar question. He's like, yeah, and, and had the same response generally of, hey, there, there's no there's no magic to like, oh, I only write when I feel like writing because otherwise I'd never write because I don't feel like it. <laughs> but but the, right. he, he said, for me, the secret is to write 200 crappy words a day. And, and that was his version of what you just said of, hey, I just have to sit down, get the early 200 crappy words out of the way. And then that's when, when I'm in action and when I'm moving and when I'm taking um, the initiative and the consistent behavior to do it, then all of a sudden that, that produces that inspiration. So I love how you frame that up. And, and, and isn't that, and I'm sure you deal with this with your coaching clients all the time, but doesn't that same lesson apply to the components of your book, whether that's marriage or family or work or physical health or emotional well-being. I mean, if we sat around and waited until we felt inspired and motivated to um, ask our wife on a date, like, or to talk to our kid about something hard at school or to lay off the sugar, like, uh, I, I think that's got to be applicable to all areas of your coaching practice, right? Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah, there's a couple of things that like to respond on that or just that come to mind. One is I heard this quote a long time ago and I constantly think of it is anything is worth, anything worth doing is worth doing messy. Like the idea of not rolling something out till it's perfect, man, it's just, it's so not good. And, and unfortunately that can cause many of us to delay ever rolling it out. And it, you're right. It's that conversation needs to take place. Just get it going. The other big thing that is just about that we need momentum. So get those quick wins. And I know for myself, if if I'm doing well writing or getting some good momentum, 
man, it's awesome. The teaser crank out. Unfortunately, it, we all know what it's like if you skip a couple of days at the gym and then those couple of days turn in a couple more days. And then before you know it, it, it's been weeks and maybe months since you've been to the gym. And it's just that encouragement of we all get in those ruts. But man, just recalibrate, start building some momentum now, get those quick wins and, and, and start going now. There's a, there's a graph that I put in the book because I so often have drawn it for clients, but it, it's just a quite simple one that all, all good financial documents or, you know, growth is up and to the right, right? So it's a graph that, you know, over time we make more money. So it's that angle that goes up and to the right of a line. Well, if you look at it close, they never are a straight line. There's peaks and valleys along the way going up. And I've had so many clients that would come to me and they're all discouraged and they're like, well, I haven't been journaling and I haven't been doing this. And I'll be like, hold up. You never journaled, didn't even own a journal before we met. Now you're getting discouraged that you just have missed a few days journaling. So it's this idea of, hey, we got to look over our shoulder occasionally and see how mm. far we came. Mm. You know, so... Yeah, you may be in a, if you look at this up into the right graph, you may be in a valley at this moment. But if you look over your shoulder, think how far you've come over the last few months or few years. And so what happens is that when we get in this little valley and we think, oh man, I never journal, I never go to the gym, I don't do this. It's the head trash that we start filling into our brains of that we're just not good enough. And I am never going to do this again, or I'll never get out of this rut. But if we take the time to kind of almost zoom out, look over our shoulders, see what we have done, see the progression we made, see God's provision, see God's protection through what we've gone through, man, it is so empowering and encouraging to allow us to, hey, let's get back on this trend line and start climbing back up. So, so helpful, man. That's so helpful. Well, well, in, in full candor, and I've told you this, but for the listeners, I have not read the book yet. I will. Um, but I'd be curious to hear, um, it, it, it does seem like lots of this, I mean, back to your lone wolf isolation concept, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a lot of this isn't like groundbreaking, oh my gosh, I never thought in a million years that I should go to the gym four times a week or, Oh my gosh, I ne it never even crossed my mind to lay off the third Bud Light for the fourth night in a row. Right? Like the, 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 the practice themselves, the practices themselves aren't that um, revolutionary nor should, nor should they be, but th there's, there's gotta be this, this draw. And, and this is relevant to my own life um, to simplicity, consistency, that that stating the obvious but having an outside accountable voice to say to remind you of oh yeah that's why I journal that's why I shouldn't beat myself up when I don't journal for two days because I never did until you helped me see right like um I I, I don't even know the, exact, right. the the exact question but but I but my I connect to that deeply because we don't I've said this often like we don't have an education I mean, some some people do sure but like for the most part, anybody listening to this podcast probably doesn't have an education problem. Um, but man, we have these big voids in, um, and, and me included, consistency, the accountability, the living in a way that's 
open and vulnerable and um, not lone wolf, like the opposite, everything that's the opposite of a lone wolf, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, when I hired my the writing coach, one of the, one of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome as a writer, and maybe some of the listeners do, not only of just writing, but anything that they're doing, is this idea of, well, I don't have any new ideas. Like, I don't have any the groundbreaking. What I'm going to say is maybe already known or someone else already taught to me. Well, my writing coach, he sent me a book, and he sends all of his clients this first book, a book by Austin Kleon. That is Steal Like an Artist. But this idea that all great art, all great works are just built on someone else's previous work. Right, it goes back to the Bible verse: "Nothing new under the sun." Mm. And it's and that was a mental block I had in writing my book. Like, I can't write this book because this isn't my idea. This isn't my framework. This isn't, you know, my triangle or shape or whatever concept that I want to share with my readers. That was a big part of what gave me writer's block, and I think it gives so many of us no matter what creativity is, it may just be a business idea. It's like, oh, I can't do that. Someone else already did it. No, the art comes from the innovation to it. Mm. The art comes to adding your own personal testimony, your story to it. And so that, once I got over that and decided, you know what my book is, I am sharing ideas that have somewhat been heard or thought of before, but I'm going to wrap it around there with my own personal testimony, client stories, and package in a way that I think it can move hearts and get movement in people's lives because it's, it's some information told in a different way with lots of vulnerability, but yet lots of tools and recalibration questions that can help people think about it in a way that hopefully gets a new trajectory to their life. So awesome, man. So, so the book came out last summer. Um, what have, what have been a few, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, there's been many, but what have been a couple stories that have, have come from the book that you're like, Oh my gosh, if it was just that one person, it was totally worth the effort. Yeah. Yeah. And so on, just on the book, it, the, the paperback came out in the summer, the ebook on Kindle uh, was early fall. And now actually audio book will actually be here in the, hopefully by the end of January. Nice. Um, on audible. So it's, it, you know, the book process takes a little while, but anyways, it's coming. I mean, I don't know if I could take one particular story. Um, I've been blown away by a lot. I mean, I love, I mean, I love when someone I know enjoys the book for sure. I'm very grateful for that. Man, if there's someone I don't know and they send me a note and I may never meet them, I may never see them, but when they say the book has helped them, they kind of thought their marriage was, done but this book helped revitalize it oh i mean amen i mean that's why i did it that's why i shared you know a bunch of my brokenness because i wanted people to realize hey we are not that we're no we're not defined by our past Mm -hmm. and if someone can read this book and decide all right i need to step up i need to actually start winning at home i need to be intentional i need to be present with my kids. It's more about, you know, my kids want my presence more than they want my provision. I need to start dating and pursuing my spouse. I need to start figuring out how to equip and empower my employees. 
I need to figure out, hey, how do I get my own life in order? When I start getting emails that helping people do some of those things, I mean, it's, oh man, it's, it's been awesome. I mean, yeah. I, so uh, yeah, I don't, any of those stories, and then, uh, luckily it's been a lot um, and I'll, I'll take more. I mean, <laughs> not out of, you don't make a lot of money selling books. It's a very expensive business card. Um, but I, I mean, I want more of that impact. So yeah, you know, you know, doing podcasts like this, to hopefully impact your audience and bring value is the opportunities I'm very grateful for. Man, I love it. And, and I think the, um, I'm smiling cause you know, guy who grows up super successful and you still are, but from a world, you know, the worldly, um, traditional way of ju- judging success, right? Like electrical engineer, pretty clear cut path, climb the ranks, run a big division of a company, have a bunch of notoriety and, and attention, all that. Um, and, and I'm struck by, and I don't think it's accidental. I think it's very intentional, but I'm struck by your language of winning at home. Um, much more difficult to like, I, I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts. Like that doesn't come on a quarterly profit and loss statement or a promotion or these kind of more tangible, I'm using quotes, right? Like these stereotypical versions of success, versions of winning, like, Hey, somebody won, someone lost, someone got promoted, somebody didn't, somebody's business got bought, somebody else's didn't, right? Like you were talking about this current that is, um, clearly I think you and I are aligned in the, the value of winning at home is far greater than any, monetary or career uh, pursuit. Um, but how do you use that language of winning in a, in an environment that's much tougher to keep score? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I wish there were KPIs, you know, and in, in full disclosure, I mean, winning at home, it, it, I mean, it's a journey. Yeah, it is a journey. And yeah, I, I wrote a book, but not every, it's not cupcakes and balloons every single day at my house. I can tell you that. I mean, we, we can have our disagreements. I'm still an Enneagram 3. I'm still wanting to get things done. Um, I still can be too hard on my kids as far as, you know, maybe drive and, um, you know, talking about devotions or you know, a kid. I mean, I'm sure being a kid for a uh, an executive coach is not fun. You know, hey, kids, what's your vision and values? You know, hey, what's your word for 2020? You know, what are you going after? You know, all these things I'm sure get annoying. And I you know, have to, uh, every once in a while be calmed down. But, uh, you know, so the reason I like the word winning is because we, we understand that there is loss. There can be a loss. I mean, so we understand the idea of win. I want to win. I don't want to lose. And I I did many bright errors or mistakes, things I would have done differently, um, with this whole book. Um, or just as I'm learning, one thing I did is I went out to Facebook and I said, Hey, here are my different titles. <laughs> what title do you like? Well, that opened up a whole can of worms of uh, people having all their opinions and it was overwhelming all the opinions of, of the title, the subtitle. I was like, well, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> but one person posted, I don't like the title winning at home. I don't like any title to winning because that means someone's losing. Mm. And when they put that in the Facebook, I was like, that's exactly why I want the title. 
and, and you know, this, this woman had, you know, she had some great intentions, I'm sure. But for me, as I read it, I was like, absolutely. If we are not focused on winning at home, we will lose. Mm. If we are not intentional about going on dates with our spouses, before you know it, months have gone by, you've not gone on a date with your spouse, you are now drifting. A word that Holly and I use in our marriage is when we aren't doing well, we, we, we become roommates. We say we're just roommates. And so that is a word that we can say. It's a safe word that means, hey, let's, let's wake up. Let's get back in the game here. Mm. So when that individual said, if we aren't winning, someone's losing, absolutely. So I think it's day in, day out. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is super, you know, the buzzword right now. But even when they overcame that big deficit a week ago against the um, Titans, no, not Titans. Um, Texans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Texans. Came over the winning in the Texans. It was like one play at a time. One play at a time. And that's the exact same thing with the winning at home. Is it's one day at a time. You know, it's how can I love, serve, and pursue my spouse one day at a time? Not hold the grudge from yesterday. Not hold a, the grudge of something that took place a while ago, but the new day, Right. I, I love the verse in Lamentations where we get new, God gives us new mercies every single day. The same thing about our home. We can't be holding these grudges going into marriage, into our parenting, into the things at home. We have to, it's one day at a time in order to, in order to win. It's huge, man. And, and I, th- I think too, like the, the concept of being awake to the reality that there is something on the line here. Like it, 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 it is, again, it doesn't always, it's not always black and white wins and loss, right? Right and wrong. But the, the fact that um, I, I would argue many of us and, and myself included lots of times, unfortunately, kind of sleepwalk through the, the really meaningful stuff <laughs> in the pursuit of something that ultimately won't hold its weight. Um, or hold our weight on to, to support it. And, and that, I, I think it is a striking concept of like, no, no, no. Like for me to win at home, it means I got to show up every day. I got to do these consistent things. Yeah. I got to be um, engaged. I got to be present. And I got to like sit at the dinner table and not stare at my phone about somebody else's life. Like what, whatever. So I, I'd just be curious if there were, no, exactly um, right. if there were, if you were again to to give a little bit of a free coaching seminar here to our, our audience, like are there a couple tactics or tips or things that you've picked up um, along the way or put in the book that that people could get a taste of what a what an engagement with with you would look like? Oh, we did a coaching engagement. Yeah, or that you're saying? yeah, or if they just like in order to you know if you gave them a free chapter in the book, like what would it what what would you tell them to read? Oh shoot, man, read the whole book. It's an easy read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, and I, I don't know if I would actually say just one particular chapter um, necessarily because I think every reader is going to have different pieces of the book that they need to hear at this moment. Love it. Um, I think some of the listeners are, are battling with a lot of head trash. So it's the chapter about head trash and, you know, defining yourself by some 
previous mistakes you made, whether they're in your marriage or they're the way you have managed your finances or whatever it may be. The reason you can't move forward is because of the head trash mm. that you allow running around uh, your brain. <laughs> Gandhi's got a quote that says, I never let anyone walk through my mind with dirty sandals. Wow. And wow. it's just, it's just interesting because we, we do that. So for some listeners, it's going to be on head trash. I think for some, it's, I, I have a piece on there about vision and values for your family. Uh, the five B's vision, values, vocabulary, uh, valuation and vehicles. And so using those five B's to come up with a vision for your family. I heard it years ago when we first moved to Cincinnati, we go to a big mega church in Cincinnati and this individual from stage made a comment about your family's vision has to be greater than the 15 year old boyfriend, wow. uh, you know, of your daughter. <laughs> if you want to keep your family engaged. And at the time my daughter was not 15. I was like, Oh, that's, a, that's in the, you know, that's way in the future. I don't need to worry about it now. Well, here we are 15 years old. Mm. And, but what that means is your family's got to be something other of more than just walking around like zombies, looking at your phones while everyone's on their couches. It's gotta be about something bigger and greater. And so we've done, we've been trying to do that. And say, how can we be a family who, you know, we've, you know, we, we have a family vision. We've got uh, different values. Now do all my kids have all that stuff memorized? No, I know they don't, but they know we have it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I put together, we, we put together a, a identity ceremony for our daughters now 15. We did it when she's 13. That's in the book. That's been incredibly powerful to, uh, people. You know, we all hear these coming of age ceremonies. We did one for our daughter and, um, it, it had an incredible impact. We did it two years ago and I just, we, we had some friends over to talk. We actually were just talking about that. And what does that mean to her now, two years later? Mm. And to her, her comments were, were awesome. I mean, I just kind of got emotional just thinking about it. And it is the fact that she knows she's got an army around her. Not only does her family love her, but she's got men and women that wrote letters to her that mean something. We also we did this, like, burn the, you know, burn the ships. I don't know if you're familiar with that ceremony, this idea you write stuff on a piece of paper and you burn it. We did something very similar for her. So she, I'm sure she wrote down, it was private. I'm sure she wrote down all kinds of image issues, right? Mm, mm. Do, you know, do boys like me, your social media posts or, you know, skinny versus not skinny or whatever yeah, yeah. she may have been writing. And we said, that's all. And instead we affirmed her five words that we felt God wanted us to affirm her that we got from Proverbs 31. And so it's just like, like that is impactful. So if you've got a, a teenager or a kid, then that's impactful. Um, you know, there's parts about dating your spouse. So I could go on and on <laughs> about them. Like I get a little passionate about it. So, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I'd encourage people to read it. It's hard for me to call it in particular piece just because of where people are at in their life and, and where they need to grow. Man, it's well said. It, it's well said, and 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 people definitely. And we'll put it all in the show notes, and we'll talk to you about at the end here um, about where people can find it and follow you along. But uh, my my last book question, and then we'll wrap up because you've been super generous with your time, my friend. Um, is why would you start with the you chunk instead of spouse, kiddo, or work? Like, why was that that piece the first piece you chose to write about? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, and I think, uh, well, an, an airplane, right? If you got an airplane and when you, it's the whole oxygen thing where they'll, they'll tell you if you are traveling with elderly people or an infant, if we are to go down, grab the oxygen mask, put it on yourself first, and then give it to the elderly person or the infant. The exact same thing is we can't leave a home well. We can't lead a team at work well if we're jacked up. You know, if we don't have our life in the right order, if we are, our priorities, you know, I use a framework in the book that I was taught called the five capitals. And it's in this order, this idea of spiritual. And it's not just a God piece. I, I have actually coached clients that I can't talk about God, but if we get people thinking about a greater purpose than just their day to day, then that's what we're talking about, that spiritual piece. Um, there was a Harvard Business Review study years ago that all great ideas come from the shower. The idea is there's no nagging spouse, there's no crying kids, and it's just quiet. So what are you doing in your life to create that spiritual space, that white space in your life? Number two is relational. Who are the people you do life with? Three is physical. It's about managing your yes and no's that you're schedule man uh, control you or do you control your schedule then the fourth one is intellectual about insights and ideas and that fifth one is financial and so those are the five capitals in the right order and i know for my uh, i know for a fact myself i've had those upside down or in different orders and when i put them in the wrong order life is not fulfilling life is not to the full if i am more worried about finances and how much money i'm making and it just has a negative ripple effect through everything else. And so that's what we talk about in that youth section is, is helping leaders get their, their selves in a right position to lead well. Knowing we're all works in progress. I mean, I love the five capitals framework because it's so simple that when I get off track, I can just quickly recalibrate. I can go back to thinking what that looks like. So, um, that's the reason we start with you is in order to lead well, you've got to have yourself, you know, figured out and, and going in the right direction and making sure that you're a leader worth following. I think we've, we've all, unfortunately in this day and age, we see what happens when leaders are leading companies. And if they're not doing well, you know, as the leader goes, so goes the company, whether it's an Uber or the WeWork or a hashtag me Too movement, whatever it may be. If individuals are just about competency and not about character, then bad things can happen. And so this you part helps you grow both in not only your competency, but also your character. Dude, home run. What a, what an answer. And you see that in the business landscape. You see that in the church environment. You see major, and again, none of us are above it or, or immune to it. And so, um, I love, I love, I love everything you said, and and I can't wait to to read my version, man. Um, so so let's let's wrap here because again, you've been amazingly generous with your time, um, and and all of a sudden I've got like plenty of me work to do to put oxygen on my face, <laughs> but but I would, I, I, I would, you got to read the book, brother. I know, dude. I know. Um, tell me, just give give everybody a quick kind of insight into. Um, we talked a ton about the book, rightfully so. 
But about the coaching practice, about what you're up to, and maybe, you know, again, I know that threeness is, is deep in you. So, like, where are you headed? Where, what's the vision for um, your business? Um, are there other books on the, on the horizon? Like, where, where are you headed, man? What, what's the, the next, you know, couple chapters for you look like? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I myself am trying to, you know, continue to figure out, hey, what, what's that right direction to go? And some neat things I'm working on another book now. There will be more books in the future uh, for a variety of reasons, but yeah, it's working on another book now, basically about, you know, the, the prioritized leader with some additional content that we use. Uh, so work on additional books and looking to just in, to various ways to increase the impact that this content and what we're doing to help people. So it'll be live events and different coaching, do a lot of one-on-one coaching, but also do a lot of group coaching. And it'll look about, Hey, how do we build this coaching practice that can impact you know, many more? So from a higher price point, it'd be like a mastermind group, right? Then you come down lower price point, it'll be the one-on-one coaching. And then lower would be the group coaching for say a mid-level manager that can't afford uh, one-on-one executive coaching. So a variety of different vehicles to help impact more uh, to, you know, win at home and to do those different things. So, uh, yeah, be ready for uh, hopefully a, a, another book and then, you know, here in the next 12 months and more books to follow that. That's great. And before we, we, before we wrap it up with our five questions, tell, tell folks where, they can follow along where they can find out more where they can request um do because I, I do think practically speaking um and, and this this you know we, we've uh, you and i have been in conversation about this and, and i've i've got some coaching kind of going on here uh in kc but as as we grow and change and evolve like you and i are going to continue to have dialogue about what it looks like for you to help me um but but practically speaking i think there are probably a lot of folks here that are resonating going uh misplaced priorities, stressed out, super anxious, not, not dialed in at home, frustrated with results at work. Um, mm-hmm. need to talk to this dude. Well, where would they go and how would they find out? Yeah, no, thanks. And yeah, I'd love to work with, you know, with you, help you and your team down the road. So I look forward to just continuing on there. Uh, as far as, you know, coaching, I live in Cincinnati, but even my local clients, almost all coaching is done via Zoom, even with my local clients, because there's no traffic. And the reality is we start on time, end on time. When you meet in person, you end up kind of talking about the weather for a while or sports or whatever it may be. And <laughs> before you know it. Or whatever. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So uh, even my local ones are, are, are Zoom. And so that, that's, huge and it's awesome and and there's trust me there's plenty of breakthrough that happens via zoom uh to the point of there's been many tears on a zoom call over the <laughs> over the years awesome. um so a couple different things i sent out a weekly leadership email you can sign up for it on my website which is cory c-o-r-y m carlson m is in michael so cory m carlson that'll be in the show notes and then follow on social media at carlson cory is pretty much the handle on about all the different social medias. So love to stay engaged with the listeners that way. The book is on Amazon coming on audible here uh, soon. Yeah. Just, 
yeah, I just encourage all readers, anything resonated with you, please yeah, pick up the book or send me a note. Love to talk with you further. Um, you know, kind of in the, in the spirit of generosity, Justin, I would love to, any listener I get from your um, podcast, I'd be more than happy to just do a 30-minute discovery session. No charge. Just kind of see where you're at. See there's a way we can help. And even if you decide not to engage, I'm uh, I'm confident you'll get at least a nugget or two to at least implement and move forward. That's huge, man. So we'll put the details in there. That's super, super generous of you, man. Um, oh, good night. I could keep going forever, but I know you got to wrap. And it's speaking of ending on time. I am not ending on time, so I'm going to try. So here we go. Um, so yeah. we, we ask our, our five, uh, these same five questions every time. So, so first thing that comes to your mind, no pressure. Um, so here we go. Besides... Win at home first. What is the last book you read or listened to? Uh, the book I'm reading right now is called Trailblazers. It's about Salesforce, the company, the CRM. Huh. Uh, it's written by the CEO. It's just a great book about culture. And uh, so that's the book. Love it. All right, number two, here we go. If you weren't afraid, what would you do right now? I love to have a big live event, like you know, auditorium type live event. Um, hundreds, thousands of people there. We go over this content. I can't wait to come, dude. I love it. Um, if, <laughs> if, if they knew, if, if if you if what is one thing if people knew that you did, they would think you're crazy or weird. Now, if people you know, they know me saw me um i i did steer wrestling when i was in colorado i had a fantastic uh you know we did, i actually talked about it in the book where uh, about relationship over results and we started spending time with this distributor for our product in colorado we actually became had a great relationship and they owned some land and animals and he taught me how to steer wrestle so Awesome. Uh, those that know me know that that would be an odd thing. I, you know, I'm the guy that wears hair products and likes, uh, you know, trendy clothes and striped socks and all that jazz. And to actually think that I had cowboy boots on and steer wrestling, that is uh, a rarity. I love it, dude. I love it. <laughs> um, all right. What is your favorite place on earth? Favorite place on earth? Oh, man. The... Oh, man, I want to say the cliche answer of, hey, hang in with my family, but i tell you what, it, it, we've had a pretty epic weekend this weekend, being in the family and um, here in Cincinnati, in our house, doing some different things. It's pretty cool. Um, but I think a place I really love going, I've grown significantly in the last few years is Montana. Mm. I'm involved in a men's ministry called the New Frontier, where they have different men's weeks there, and a lot of I've had a lot of cool growth going there. I took my family there for uh, spring break a year ago. That was unbelievable. Just it's quiet, it's beautiful. So I yeah, my, I'd say if I had to pick a location, then Montana has been pretty incredible uh, part of my life these last few years. That's huge, man. All right, here's the heavy hitter. When it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah, I think one that, uh, you know, impacted others by just loving, caring, and serving them and, you know, was an image bearer of Christ and all that I did. 
Dude, powerful. I love it. All right, man. So so we'll um, we'll link to the book, the website, social media. We'll plug all that stuff. Um, and again, to, to remind folks, you've given a generous kind of 30-minute intro discovery call with folks that, um, man, if you're anything like me, you, you could definitely benefit from that, which, um, yeah, way, way grateful for your time and your story and uh, just being a difference maker for us today, bro. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Awesome, Corey. Thanks so much, bro. Yeah.